Hi, and welcome to our Dummy Podcast, Global Operations on the Go. Today, our guest, Eric Green, Vice President Delmia, and Fred Thomas, Strategic Business Development and Marketing Director at Delmia, discuss the key components of the Transformation Journey research notes in this series. Let's listen in. So, Eric, the research notes series is titled Transformation Journey. Why that particular title? Well, Fred, at the end of the day, what we're talking about with our customers and conveying to our customers is how they can leverage our solutions and technology for transformation or to support their initiatives. And what we're finding is that every single customer that we work with is going through some level of transformation. It could be a small project that is an initiative that's reshaping a manufacturing model for one particular product line or in some cases it could be an entire shift and pivot of their business to a new business model and so in working with our customers we continue to receive requests and insight from them to help them understand what are some of the things that they can be doing differently, be doing better, and understand what's required to adjust, shift, and pivot their business. And therefore, we landed on the notion of a transformation journey because they're transforming, and it's a journey because in some cases, these initiatives, while they might be short-term and have high ROI with quick deliverables, it's one element or one component of a much broader initiative. And we recognize that the most appropriate way to position what we've done here with the research note by gathering the insight from our customers or doing research on our own and sharing our best practices is to put this together in what we call a research series. So that's why we've titled it Transformation Journey uh, Delmi Research Series. And it is a series because in each research note we are covering specific topics that help paint that roadmap of how companies can transform and some of the different elements and components that they need to be considering as they move forward in their strategic initiatives. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but I think that term transformation probably is somewhat intimidating to people. What does transforming operations actually mean? Is it the same thing as, say, smart manufacturing or industry 4.0 or, or IIoT? So many terms. Can you help clarify that a little bit for the audience? I'd be happy to. Those are all terms that the industry uses, and a lot of those are terms that have originated from specific countries promoting a specific manufacturing initiative to promote manufacturing within their country or to protect their intellectual property. Uh, other terms have been coined by analysts. What we're highlighting here is in the transformation journey is that's all of those type of different projects and initiatives. There's some common threads that you see in those. At the same time, there are some differences and there's some uniquenesses of each uh, type of initiative. And it really comes down to you know, how people define what they're trying to do. They can call it smart manufacturing. They can call it industry 4.0. Uh, they can call it many different things. But at the end of the day, they're trying to transform their business in a certain way and rather have an initiative called smart manufacturing, for example, or something that's deemed as industry 4.0 or any other initiative that's originated from either a technology association or from a geopolitical perspective, why not focus on what's actually taking place in the business? Thus, we're talking about transformation, which all of these fall under uh, that umbrella. Okay, makes sense. Um, but if I was a cynic, 
and I know there are probably some out in the audience, um, this sounds like a, a technology company's latest version of the Y2K event. So why do manufacturers really need to think about transforming operations? Is there, is there a really a compelling business driver? And how is it different than, say, continuous improvement actions that have been going on for, for quite a while in, in manufacturing? That's a really good question. When we talk about transformation, uh, we're talking about, in this research series, the different levels of transformation. So as a cynic might think, well, yes, we're always doing some sort of, sort of change. That's true. Uh, but in many cases, those changes are being triggered by a larger event. And uh, we all know in today's environment here in 2020, um, you know, the, the manufacturing environment is dramatically different right now than it was 12 months ago uh, because of COVID-19. But that's just one effect on the manufacturing environment. Uh, there are other impacting events or situations that affect manufacturers. And these events are activities that impact the manufacturer they impact the way they serve customers, they impact, impact product, and they impact service. And as such, manufacturers either have to change their business model, they have to change the way they manufacture, or they have to augment what they're currently doing with their business to support these different changes. And in the end, they're all transforming. So while we may be talking about, in the most simplest case of transforming a production line and reconfiguring a production line to add new products or to change the product line itself to making a totally different product, that is one microcosm of transformation, um, while at the same time, the company may be looking at a much larger play and their business models where they may be looking at, for example, moving from gas combustion engines to electric engines. And so each one of these transformation approaches uh, applies and some of these concepts apply at each level of the organization. And the difference between that and continuous improvement is the rate of change. And in many cases, what you're changing to may not be as clearly defined uh, as just basic operational improvements that you get with continuous improvement. Okay. You know, but you mentioned you know it's a it's a really it's a really a different world today than it was even a year ago. So, wouldn't it be wise maybe to wait for better times until everything kind of settles down and and the world stabilizes a little bit? There's obviously that argument to be made. Companies have the ability to take different strategies. And what we're seeing working with our customers is you know, these different strategies are playing out. Those companies that we believe that are not moving and adopting to the current market environment with their business and their manufacturing models um, run the risk of having market share taken away from them by other companies that are adapting. Um, a great example is uh, we have several companies in the you know, food and beverage and, and the food service industry. Uh, speaking with the CIO just three weeks ago, you know, their business channels serve two different groups of markets. Their business-to-consumer market 
has had significant growth because people are are not going out to eat at restaurants or or they're buying their their food differently. We all are. Um, while their other business channels in their B two B environment has shown a decrease, but they've been able to pivot and they're actually transforming their business to better serve this new channel. But more importantly, they're looking at how they can use this growth in this channel and their manufacturing strategy to actually expand that channel and create new revenue streams through very related channels in that business and consumer environment. And that's the type of example where companies taking advantage of the opportunity given the current environment that we're in today and being proactive to transform to seize that market share. Whereas if you don't do that, somebody else is going to take that opportunity because not everybody's going to be sitting and waiting for a better market environment. Okay. You know, this first research note, uh, seven components to transforming operations, um, talks about industry disruptors like Amazon and Uber. Uh, the question I think a lot of people will have is, do you need to be an industry disruptor to really transform operations, or are they really independent? They're really independent. You don't have to be an industry disruptor, but the reality is every industry is facing some type of disruption, whether it's through a competitor or whether it's through a macroeconomic event. And uh, the key is how do you recognize that disruptor and, and based on what's happening with the disruption and the type of disruption that it is, how do you respond? Which feeds into the, the previous question, do you sit and wait and, and hope things get better or do you act? And we've already seen in the past different technology disruptors that have disrupted markets and put companies out of business essentially or or have an impact on a company to where today it's a mere shadow of, its, of itself compared to what it was 25 years ago you know a great example is a company called Blackberry whereas at you know the late 90s um, they enabled online texting and it was a communication vehicle in addition to um, cell phone. Well, when cell phone technology changed and evolved, and then you had the ability to uh, do texting on the phone and sending messages as well as your phone evolving to a smart app, you know, BlackBerry got left behind. And that, they're now nowhere near uh, what they were 25 years ago. And that type of market transformation and evolution is, happens on an ongoing basis. And that's just one example. There are many, many others. Um, and the ones that are cited in research note one and our examples of Amazon and Uber. Um, but there are several other examples. And the reason this is in the first research note is we're talking about disruptors. But we're also talking about, okay, what beyond the disruptors leads to the different components of transformation. And each research note that we are publishing covers a different topic so that we can help our customers and our partners understand the different elements as they go down that path of evolving and transforming their business. Yeah, I, and you brought it up, but I have to tell you, even today, I still miss my BlackBerry. But that, <laughs> that'll be a whole nother podcast. Um, let's talk about transformation and a little deeper. So I'm not an industry disruptor, but what kind of compelling reasons do I have to really transform operations? Is it all about just lowering costs? Well, costs are obviously a factor. If, if I'm a CFO, I'm always going to look at costs. I'm going to look at my operating margin and my EBITDA and my financial metrics for cost of goods sold. So costs are always a factor. But at the end of the day, transformation goes well beyond just managing costs and minimizing costs. It goes about how do you create new revenue streams or how do you differentiate you know, your manufacturing strategy, assuming you're a manufacturing core competency is part of your business. 
to differentiate and create higher margin revenue streams of products to new channels and new customers. And so it's really looking at the entire equation, not just the cost factors. So one thing that we always look at is, is return on assets, uh, which includes the revenue element as well as the operational costs and the assets utilization that's associated with that metric. But it's really looking at both pieces of the equation, uh, the revenue as well as the cost and doing those in concert. Okay, that makes sense to me. So let's actually talk a little bit about the seven components of transforming operations. And we're not going to talk about sure. all seven. Let's let's talk about three of them. Okay. Uh, then then we'll leave a little bit for our audience to read in the actual research note. Um, but if you could talk a little bit about data, data models in control, which are three of the seven uh, components. I'd be glad to. And and we've identified seven. Uh, and that's based upon working with customers on different initiatives. It's also based upon some of the research we have done with regard to looking at different analyst reports and some of the analyst findings. And we've deduced it down to seven. You can argue if it's eight or, or nine, but we've categorized them into seven. And the seven and the three that you mentioned, Fred, data, data models and control, is how we've put together these different components. And there are you know, additionally four others as well. The first one, data, that you referenced is really the foundational element. When we talk about data, what we found is that companies and manufacturers are generating a lot of data. But the reality is less than 10% of that data is being used in a way to help them make better decisions or used in any type of meaningful way to support their business. So you have to ask the question, why is that? Well, we all know that in manufacturing and in MES, historically in MES, one of the reasons is that the data in an MES system has been historically viewed as a black box. Well, that's changed now. But even with the new technology, it's available to support companies in manufacturing, even including data captured with IIoT-enabled manufacturing systems. The the empirical data is still showing that much of the data is not being used, but it could be. And that leads to the second component that you referenced, which is data models. A lot of the data that we have found through the research isn't being put in the proper context, and that's what a data model does. If you have the proper data model, you can put the data into context so that you can actually make better decisions. And you can make decisions that are informed uh, because you have the data and you have it in context of a certain situation. So when we talk about data model, we're talking about not only the product model of what's being produced in the factory, but we're also talking about the model of all the assets, the machines, the equipment, the processes, um, the, the factories, the plants, out into the extended supply chain, whether it's upstream into their supply network or downstream through the distribution network. And so the model goes well beyond just product model. It goes to the what I would call the, the process model of how it gets made and the representation of the assets, whether it's a production line, work cell, or other type of manufacturing environment, as well as everything that supports the manufacturing environment, from the warehousing, um, the kitting and assembly, to the quality stations, to everything else that you might see in the line, having that all model representation so that you can understand that data in context to make better decisions. And that then cascades to the other component you referenced, which is control. 
So I can have the data and I can have the data models and now I have the ability to actually understand the contacts but I can execute a business process or a workflow and that's where the control comes into play. If I can execute a business process because I have the data model and the data, then I can actually execute a business process that can be different than the way I'm doing it today. And having that control of your business process is fundamentally important as you look to transform or evolve your business to adapt new products or to move production. And what we're seeing today, for example, is that, you know, some evidence of nearshoring or onshoring where people are moving production to new geographies based upon the current uh, market dynamics. And having control of that business process allows those customers to do so much more efficiently than if they did not have control. And you know, a great example is, and we actually referenced this in the, the research note, is you know, I can have one of the world's newest, most talked about sports cars with, with the Corvette. And you know, the 2020 Corvette has got a new body style, it's got mid-engine, has got a fantastic display. And so I can have all the greatest analytics that tell me what the RPM of that Corvette is, how fast I'm going. It can tell me with all the sensors and adjust the ride. But if I'm driving towards a brick wall, unless I turn the steering wheel or it's an autonomous vehicle, I'm still going to hit that brick wall and I'm going to crash my brand new 2020 Corvette, which isn't a good thing. So the control allows you to make the changes to the business processes so that you can avoid that brick wall. Or put another way, to capture the opportunity that you're trying to seize because you see a market opportunity. So instead of avoiding a, a big risk, conversely, it can be used to help drive to seize an opportunity that exists because of a market opened up or because uh, you're creating a new market and becoming that disruptor that we talked about earlier. So those are just three of the different elements that we talk about in Research Note 1. Um, there are four others, and each one of these outlines their interrelation to each one and provides some insight uh, about all seven different components. And that's all captured in the first Research Note. Yeah, so I think the uh, we've given the audience a, a good taste of you know what's inside this research note, and certainly we would urge uh, everyone to uh, uh, download it, which we'll show you how to do and tell you how to do in a minute. Um, but uh, in summary, what's the takeaway that you want the audience to uh, to understand from listening to this podcast, Eric? Well, I think there's two points that I would like the audience to take away. The first is. This research note series is our focus to help customers understand some of the larger topics that we're dealing with and working with our customers today and document that in a way so that we can share that knowledge, share the learning and the know-how that we've gained through working with different customers and looking at some of our own uh, insight from different projects along with looking at third-party sources. And the whole goal of this is, and this is the first point, is we are focused on helping our customers not only solve their business problems today, but to be a partner with them today moving forward into the future as their business evolves and changes and transforms. And so many of the elements that we highlight in the research note series are dealing with those things that are not necessarily about the technology, but about the, the elements that support around the transformation and how the technology um, enables elements of the transformation. But there's other aspects of this that have to be incorporated as well, and that's where the research note series really focuses on. And so the first point is this series is designed to help our customers understand beyond the technology how we can help and support them today and tomorrow. The second piece to this, second takeaway, is this is just the first step. Uh, right now we have multiple research notes that are in the process of being published. 
uh, Research Note 1 is available now. I would encourage everybody to take a look at it. Our Research Notes 2 and 3 will be published in the upcoming weeks and months. And we have a whole series that's been outlined to convey and discuss all the different topics that are involved in transformation. Uh, and really looking forward to getting the customer feedback on all of these as they get published, as well as looking forward to working with our customers to you know, elaborate and expose some additional topics moving forward that can provide some insight to our broader market. That's great. Appreciate the time today, Eric. Thank you. Well, thank you, Fred, and I would encourage everyone to go to the website that uh, is being displayed and put up here on the screen and download the first resource note and give us your feedback. Thank you, Fred. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Eric and Fred, for your insightful information, and thank you for listening to Global Operations on the Go.